Welcome to the In the Scriptures podcast. The following Bible lesson was previously recorded. Good evening, everyone. Um, getting ready to bring you a Wednesday night Bible study, pre-recorded, uh, and uh, coming to you from out in the backyard today. It's such a beautiful evening. And I wanted to take this opportunity to, to record in a little different setting and um, maybe a little bit of background noise and... Uh, and such, but if you can overlook that, maybe uh, enjoy just uh, the spring atmosphere. And it's been messing with my sinuses and such a little bit lately, uh, but it sure is fun to see the trees and uh, grass and everything growing, uh, flowers blooming, and uh, just the handiwork of God, you know, truly coming to life. And in thinking about that, you know, one of the great parts of God's handiwork, greatest you could say, uh, is mankind. That's you and I as human beings. And in thinking about that, um, I kind of want us to, to focus tonight just for a few minutes on the very important subject of our salvation. You know, when we think about all these Bible character lessons that we've looked at over the past year or more, uh, we've been thinking about character traits that we need to put on and even some things we need to put away from us. But you know, the most important thing that you and I can secure and put on in our lives is salvation. And when we look at the Word of God, if we were going to just sum up, well, what is the Word of God really about? That's what it is. It's ultimately about our salvation. As a matter of fact, in James chapter 1 and verse 21, James said, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted Word, which is able to save your souls. I want us to kind of dwell on that for just a moment and think about that, how that he's saying that it's the Word of God that we're to receive and listen to with meekness. And the reason that we're to listen to it is because it's able to save our souls. And when we think about our lives, there's really nothing more important than that. It's very easy to maybe get caught up in our jobs or hobbies or school or family even. And to kind of forget what really, really matters, and that's ultimately our eternal salvation. And so I want us to kind of just pause tonight and really think about that. As a matter of fact, I might even ask you to take a moment at some point in time and, you know, step out into the outdoors and look at the trees and the flowers and look at uh, nature. Look up tonight at the stars in the sky, the clouds, the moon, the sun, and just kind of pause and ask yourself, you know, what is this all about? Why am I here? And do I really truly believe in God? And do I believe that I have hope of everlasting life? Do I know that I'm spiritually where I need to be? And those are all things that you and I need to give thought to because it's ultimately what will matter when our life here is over. In Luke chapter 19, when Jesus comes to Zacchaeus' house, he makes a statement in verses 9 and 10 to Zacchaeus and those that were listening. He said, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, the opposite of our salvation is our being lost. And so tonight I really want you to stop and think and realize that if you're not in a saved condition then you're in a lost condition. And, you know, sometimes when we think about being lost, we might think about being physically lost as far as directions are concerned or 
uh, lost on a project or something like that. But eternally, spiritually lost is a whole different deal. Eternally lost. That sounds scary just to say it out loud. The Bible speaks of that eternal punishment in hell, hell fire, everlasting fire and brimstone. And nobody wants to be in that position. Nobody wants to be in that eternal destiny when this life is over. But the opposite of our salvation is being lost. And so you and I need to stop and think about that. You and I need to examine ourselves and ask the question, are we saved or are we lost? What's the condition? Has salvation come to your house by the power of Jesus, by your obedience to Jesus? Or are you in danger of still being lost? You know, when we think about it, Zacchaeus was maybe a religious person who believed in God, but he was lost. So somebody could be, theoretically, could be religious, but not be saved. We see this with Cornelius in the book of Acts when Peter had to come to him, you know, and it says that Cornelius was a God-fearing man. He prayed to God. He gave alms. He, he was a good person. And yet, what we see is that Peter still needed to be sent to Cornelius to preach to him about Jesus. And Cornelius and his household still had to be baptized into Christ. And so you and I need to stop and think about that. Are we religious people, but not truly <laughs> There's a good indicator of the outdoor troubles, right? The wind going to blow camera over here so hopefully that doesn't define us hopefully we're not religious people but not truly saved in Romans chapter 10 beginning in verse 1 Paul writes this to the Roman brethren he says brethren my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge for they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. And so here's uh, Paul talking about the people of Israel who had a form of righteousness and a form of, or a form of zeal and righteousness, and yet it was not in accordance to the gospel. It was not in accordance to God's righteousness, not according to the proper knowledge. So they were religious but they were not saved. Notice in verse 1 that his desire and prayer to God for them was that they might be saved. So they weren't yet in a saved condition. And he goes on in that chapter to talk about how that Israel had ultimately rejected Jesus and rejected the gospel. The perfect evidence of that is the fact that it was the Jews that were called for Jesus to be crucified on the cross. And so you and I need to, again, stop and think about ourselves. Well, are we righteous by our own standard or are we religious maybe by man's standard and the standards of the world but are we truly righteous according to God's standard going back to the book of Luke I mentioned Luke 19 there verse 10 when Jesus made that statement about Zacchaeus and, and ultimately makes the statement about himself as the son of man the son of God who has come to seek and to save that which was lost well, earlier in the book of Luke, we have a chapter, chapter 15, where Jesus teaches about 
a number of lost situations. He talks about the lost sheep in the first seven verses of Luke 15. He talks about the lost coin that the woman lost in verses 8 through 10. And he also talked about the lost son or the prodigal son in verses 11 through 32, the rest of the chapter. And in all of those cases, he's showing the value of the lost and the need to go and seek and save the lost and the need for the lost to come back. And, you know, when you think about the parable of that lost sheep, there were still 99 out of 100 that were there. When you think about the coin, there was still one out of the ten, if you will, that was there. And even with the parable of the lost son, there was still the older son who had remained home. You know, if we're not careful, we can think, well, well, most of us are doing good. But there could be those that have wandered away that we need to reach out to to help seek and save that are lost. What do you think for a minute about your church family? Do you know of one sheep of the church family that has wandered away? And maybe let's ask a second question. If you know of one that has seemingly wandered away, how close are you to them? Would you call them a friend? Do you have the ability to pick up the phone and give them a call? Send them a text message? Send them an email or send them a card? stop by their house? Is there something that you could do to truly help seek and save the lost? To go to them and show them that you care. Invite them to come back and to rededicate themselves to worship and service of God. What about in your family? Aside from your church family, what about your actual physical family? Is there somebody in your physical family that you could reach out to and encourage that you could bring back or that you could bring for the first time to be a believer in Christ. Do you see it as worth it to see that they're lost and that they are in need? What about a coworker, a friend, a neighbor? I'm sure we all can make our own list and come up with a number of names of folks that we could reach out to or do a better job of reaching out to to encourage them to seek the salvation that is in Jesus and to not find themselves lost eternally. Looking at a book as I was thinking about this topic tonight by Brother Thomas Holland, who's passed away here in recent years, in the conclusion of a lesson outline that he has concerning these things in Luke 19, especially about the story of Zacchaeus, and thinking about our salvation. He made a couple of points in his conclusion in this outline. His first was picture a person five minutes after death. Well, could, I, could I change that a little bit tonight and ask you to think about yourself five minutes after death? Are you ready for that? Secondly, he says picture judgment day the scene of all of us standing before the throne of God, before Jesus Christ, the righteous judge. And then he also asks an interesting question to try to make it a physical thing for us. 
He says, how would a parent react if you had found and returned a lost child? Have you ever helped that happen? Maybe in a grocery store or a department store or a mall or something like that. Or even at church, maybe somebody's like, where did my kid go? And, and especially if you've seen a parent that was really panicking when they've seemingly lost their child. And how grateful that parent would be to have someone help them find the child that was lost. Well, what about when we help bring the lost back to God? In Luke 15 and verse 10, we're told, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. In verse 7, he says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. There's joy and rejoicing in heaven and among the angels in the presence of God when the lost is brought home and saved. Salvation is such an important deal. It's such an important crossroads that we all face and find ourselves at. So I want us to think tonight, kind of in the closing moments of, of this lesson, what are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about your salvation? You know, there's a lot of things that we're working toward and we're working to do for ourselves and our family and our loved ones, our children. But what are we going to do when it comes to salvation? In Romans 1 and verse 16, Paul said this. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel of Christ. Are you ashamed of it? Or are you willing to talk about it? Are you willing to pray about it? Are you willing to read it and study it for yourself? Apply it to your own life and then encourage others the same? We need to be sure we're not ashamed of it. There's a lot of things that this world is trying to make us ashamed of when it comes to standing for what is right, what is moral, what is upstanding, especially in God's standard, the Bible's standard, a standard of Christianity. And you and I must work really hard to not be ashamed of our faith, to not be ashamed of our God, to not be ashamed of our Savior Jesus Christ, to not be ashamed of His church, to not be ashamed of His Word, the Bible, to realize that in it is the power of God to salvation. You know, sometimes we just need to recharge our batteries. We need to rest up, have a long weekend, take a vacation. I want you to think about that verse again. The gospel of Christ, in it is the power of God to salvation. Do you feel like you're powerless? Do you feel like your battery's running low when it comes to how you feel about your salvation? It may be because you need to open up God's Word. That you need to take this good book and you need to open it more often for yourself. And you need to dig in and read and study and contemplate and meditate, feed on it, and gain power and strength from it. Our salvation such an important thing to consider. 
my hope and prayer is that all of us can say that we feel secure about our salvation and that we're ready for death to come. We're ready for the return of Christ. We're ready for the judgment day. We're ready to spend eternity in heaven with God. But if we're not, the alternative is devastating to be eternally lost. Eternally lost. In Romans chapter 6, in verse 4, we read, Therefore we were buried with Him, with Jesus, through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. You and I want to be able to be resurrected just like Christ and have hope of eternal salvation, and that's only found when we are baptized into Christ, showing and professing our faith and our belief in Him, repenting of our past sins. He goes on to say in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So be buried with Christ in baptism if you have not, to put away that old man, that old woman of sin, to have the sins washed away. And be raised with Christ with hope of being eternally raised and resurrected with Christ for the ultimate heavenly and eternal salvation. Our salvation. Sounds good, doesn't it? And let's make sure that we can say it with confidence and know that we have hope and know that our salvation is secure through Christ because of our faith in God. If there's something we could do at Sandlin Road to help you, reach out to us. You can reach out to us through our website, sandlinroadchurch.com. Through our Facebook page, you can find us by searching Sandlin Road Church of Christ. We're also on Instagram. We have a YouTube channel. and We try to share information and videos through all of these avenues as much as we can, but we would love to have you come visit with us on Sandlin Road in Elkmont, Alabama. Uh, we're meeting in person on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock for Bible study, on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then at 5 p.m. we have a period of worship and also Bible study. And we just would love to have you come and be our guest at any of those times. Maybe you need to give church a try again. Maybe something went wrong in your past. Maybe you've fallen away, wandered away. You're that sheep that wandered off from the fold. Come visit with us. We'll welcome you. We'll love you. And we'll be glad to help you be restored back into the kingdom of God. We just want to see you have a hope of salvation when it's all over. Will you pray with me tonight? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the day you've given us. We thank you for the beauty of your creation. We thank you for your word that gives us the gospel message, the hope of salvation that we can give obedience to and follow. And Father, we just pray that we might lay hold of that salvation that you've so graciously extended to us and that we might find ourselves in that heavenly home someday. And Father, we pray for the lost. We pray that they might have time and opportunity to come back to you. We pray that we might do something or say something to lead them to you before it's eternally too late. We beg your mercy and your comfort and your healing on all those that are sick and suffering tonight. And we pray, Father, for the leadership of your church here at Sandlin Road and all over the world. We pray that many souls may be saved, that good work may be done, that 
you may be glorified in the church that our Savior Jesus Christ died to purchase. Father, we pray for the leaders of our land and other lands that peace may reign, that we can have the freedom to worship and serve you. We pray that they may make decisions that are in keeping with your will, and we pray above all else, Father, that we'll be faithful no matter what. Father, we just beg for your continued mercy, forgiveness, and encouragement in what's right. And we ask it all tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.